You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion. Part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with my buddy, Jared Davis. Not to be messed, mixed up with Demetrius Davis, who committed to Auburn, but the other Davis, not related <laughs> Jared Davis, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Nobody's good. if if we run do a forty uh, contest, nobody is going to confuse me with any athlete whatsoever. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, but War Eagle, man. I'm I'm glad to be here, and uh, it's been a, been a couple of weeks, so I'm excited. Yeah, and now the the football players are back, so we'll talk about that. Um, we'll also talk about just a topic that I I saw. It was a tweet, and it kind of sparked my interest, and so I started to look into it. Was Bo Nix and how he's going to fit into Chad Morris's offense. We'll talk about that. Um, some of the O-line commits, not necessarily for this year, but specifically for the 2021 year too, um, and how those are coming along. Uh, we'll talk about uh, really in general, how are, how is Auburn doing with all the players coming back and how are they handling that? Um, and uh, then we'll talk about, um, I know we have a show about it, but we just wanted to mention a little bit about Pat Dye and his um, death. Um, if you want to hear more in depth, um, just everything about it, the different viewpoints of people that had, a lot of them had firsthand, uh, experiences with him. Uh, you can go listen to our tribute podcast that was, uh, previously up. Um, and then we'll end it out with, uh, Grant Loy, um, who recently committed to Auburn from Bowling Green. He's going to be a quarterback, big body, um, six foot five, two twenty three pounds um and kind of how we think he might fit into the role um of playing a a part in auburn's offense this next uh season uh so jared let's talk about uh, bo Nix. i think this is a good starting point for us so this was a tweet that i found about bo Nix and how the the meshing of chad morris's offense will work um and i'll give you a couple uh key things that I saw from that tweet that got me thinking and we can kind of discuss this. One of the things was um, just having a coach's son in a Chad Morris type offense where it's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of processing. It's not necessarily a, you know exactly where you're going to throw it or, you know, uh, maybe necessarily who to throw it to. Maybe you have three or four different options. And you give the quarterback the option based on how the defense is set up to to do what they need to. Um, so I thought that was really interesting to kind of start to think through that and how that might play into um, Bo Nick's strengths. Um, what do you think of, of how Bo is going to mesh with uh, Chad Morris's offense? You know, only time's going to tell. I think that Auburn fans are really excited about what Chad was able to do at Clemson. 
And then people that are on the other side would say, well, look at what happened at Arkansas. <laughs> and I think the thing to remember is that I've said it in the past, that Arkansas job, because they went from a run first, very heavy, big offensive lineman to a different style. It was it was like if you tried to take over Georgia Tech and, and kind of remold that option offense. Um, so I, I think you can throw out what happened at Arkansas. I've seen schematics of how Chad's offense works. People have drawn diagrams and showed that versus Gus. And there's no nothing against Gus, but I think you're right. I think that it's a little more complex. And if Chad, I think Chad is going to be more willing to give Bo the options of, hey, if you see this and this, here's your other option. Whereas, again, no knock on Gus, but I think Gus was more like, hey, look, here's the play call. You're running it no matter what. Um, and it was almost predetermined as to where we were going. Yeah. And I know for a true freshman, you almost have to have some degree of that. But now he's going to be a true sophomore coming into his second year where he's got a full year of starting under his belt. I think this is the time to do it. Um, give well, him a little slack there. You, you're right. But you you know what? Um, first game ever in college, uh, we won that ball game probably. Look, I know the play at the end with Seth Williams is what got everybody going. Mm-hmm. But um, him and Eli Stove were on the same page. They didn't have a DB out there, and that was not yep. the play call. Eli waved at him. Bo noticed it and immediately went to a quick count and said, you know, Hutton threw it out there. Yeah. And that's true. When I saw that, I, I looked at my friends and I said, that that guy knows football. Yeah. Um, because and, and his, he wasn't, he knew the game was about to end. Like that's when the best players start to shine is at the end of the game. And I remembered the same thing. That was a fantastic, not only read by him immediately, but that's, you know, people talk about, play. you know, that people talk about the difference of high school level speed versus college level speed. And he had already started to make that adjustment so quickly and felt confident in that. But anyway, what what else did you have to say? No, it was just a heads up play. I'm sorry. It was you know you we're sitting there watching on TV and we only we only, we see that we're like he's wide open, he's wide open. We got to remember that Bo just got a play call in and he's supposed to be reading the defense to see if that play you know if anything needs to if he needs to look back over at the coaches. So for him to notice Eli Stove not being covered. Um, in your first game on national TV, the only game on TV at that moment, <laughs> I mean, that's just that just shows you the ability. Now, again, we all get excited about people. We're all excited about Bo. Is it going to work out? Nobody knows. But it's definitely the talent is there. Um, so it won't be from a lack of talent. And I think the scheme is now going to be there to match that talent. Yeah, yeah. And another thing with Chad Morris, he's very well known to use more of a not necessarily pass heavy, but a more pass heavy than a Gus Malzahn type offense. And if what we're seeing is true, I mean, even Chad Morris bringing in his guys, um, his coaching buddies to help him out is showing this is truly going to be a Chad Morris type offense. Um, And I think that will benefit Knicks just to have a different vantage point of, Hey, this is what we did previously. And let's, let's add in some new flavor into it. Um, that Chad Morris has in his playbook. Um, and one of those uh, coaches um, that came in with uh, Chad Morris, Jack Bicknell Jr., uh, is our offensive, cord- our offensive line coach. And I honestly think for him to come in and be able to get already some really pretty high-profile type guys, um, let me just go through some of these. Uh, I'm just going to go by their heights and their weights just to put in perspective 
the type of offensive linemen that we're getting. These are huge guys. Um, so 6'5", 340 pounds. Hmm. 6'7", 295. 6'7", 270. 6'7", 358. It's a big boy. What? Like... I feel like Auburn hasn't gotten that big of uh, an offensive lineman in a very long time. Um, and it, I don't know necessarily if that's going to help with the pass, pass protection or run protection or maybe both. But I think that's phenomenal to get that big of a guy and say, come to Auburn, come over here, play with us. Um, we can make something happen. Yeah. I mean, when you get, you know, big does not necessarily equate to great offensive linemen, but it, being small definitely does not, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, in the SEC, you're going to get pushed around if you're not strong and big. So we now have the clay. We just got to mold it. Um, you know, it always kind of has confused me how certain schools, there's no knock on them, but, you know, we're in a very heavy, very easy recruit area to find players. And you look at your Wisconsin's and Iowa's <laughs> and Arkansas's and they always got big boys that block really well. Yeah. And so it's been frustrating. Why don't we go get those guys? And we've had them in the past. I just don't know that we've ever had a consistency there. So I'm, yeah, seeing these size numbers here is, is pretty exciting, at least based on that. Yeah. I mean, if you've got guys that are that size, you get them into Auburn's program, even if they're a little bigger, like this 358 pounder, you get them in, you lean them up a little bit. They're still going to be real big guys that can just get in the way of somebody rushing uh, the passer. So I think it's a good thing to, to get the bigger guys and kind of mold them and shape them uh, the way that I'm hoping that that we'll be able to over the next year or so. Um, and, And I mean, Man, this last year, even though, what was it? What was the stat that everybody kept saying? Oh, we had a pretty good offensive line with pass rushing, and I was like, I don't know, did we? Like, <laughs> we, I think there was a stat that uh, the PFA, what is that, Pro Football Focus, put out that basically said that Auburn was number one in the country and some type of efficiency with plays to sacks or something. And that may have been true, but we talked off the off the record here. I think that a lot of things played into that. Listen, I will say that the pass protection was much better last year than the year before. For sure. But but also I do think that Bo was very – I think it was very simplistic. Bo, get rid of the ball or roll out of the pocket and mm-hmm. try to make something happen. And I think that that helps. And Bo was more agile. I love Stidham. Uh, right now Stidham is a better quarterback. Bo's more agile. So Bo avoided some sacks that Stidham did not. Absolutely. So, <laughs> well, there there were times where Stidham, I feel like, in the face of danger, he would just fall to the ground. Yes. And, and if I was in his place and had a guy I, 300 pounds running at my face, I'd do the same probably. I'm not blaming him at all. And I'm not saying – but but the facts remain, you are correct. Stidham would sometimes go to the ground or, or run out of bounds behind the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes to the sack. Whereas I saw multiple times where Bo would throw it away, which is, always blows my mind why a quarterback – will scramble, be four yards behind the line of scrimmage and just run out, like throw it past the, like throw it away. And, yep. and every quarterback does that. So anyways, a lot of things factored into that. I don't think anybody looked at our offensive line last year and said, wow, that's a great offensive line. But were there improvements and things to point towards? There were. And, uh, but man, we got to get a push when we're running the ball. I mean, that's, that's going to be the key. We can talk about Chad and Bo all we want, but if we can't get that push going to run the ball, it's, it's going to be tough. 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, even if you you think about Chad Morris's offense being even a little bit more pass heavy, it's still you got to have the run. If you don't, you you see kind of what happened last year where teams would just go after the quarterback on obvious passing plays because you know what? They can and they will. They'll just keep going after the quarterback. And that's what happens when Bonix has to roll out within a second of being in the pocket. And it it, it makes passes more uh, inefficient or ineffective. Um, and I don't know. It, it just, I think if you can get that run game, obviously it makes everything a little better. I know we got to move on, but I think we probably helped LSU win the national championship last year because they were throwing it all over the uh, park. And then we got in there, and they weren't able to do it as effectively. And they found their running game that game because we had mm-hmm. the key on the, and that guy for them took off, man. And I think he got drafted pretty high. He he wasn't doing much before our game. Well, he took off, and then they became unstoppable. And so yes. we can beat the mid tier teams with Chad. Like Chad's going to bring that in. We're going to be fine. But if we want to beat Georgia and we want to beat Alabama. Um, and maybe North Carolina, they're looking strong. I mean, we're going to have to have a running game and there's, and that that's just any team has to have that. Um, otherwise it's going to be a coin flip as to if we win some of those games that we all want to win and some of them we expect to win. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speaking of run games, so I thought I saw this, I was very impressed by it. Auburn's new running back tank Bigsby in his very first semester at Auburn got 4.0 in his first semester. That's pretty Come impressive. On. Great job. Um, that That's a great – and I'm sure he's working out and he's doing other stuff alongside of that. But, hey, for him to come in in January, come in early and come in and uh, get a 4.0, great job. And uh, kind of show me, hopefully, if he can keep that up, he's he's a pretty smart guy. And not only can he run, but he, he's uh, pretty smart with it. Well, think about everything that was thrown at him. I mean, it wasn't a normal semester towards the end. So, I mean, mm-hmm. to be able to handle that at 18 years old, I mean, you got a lot on your plate. So, kudos to him. I'm sure a lot of the other players are are going to also hit that mark. But, you know, we do know about Tank because it was put on Twitter. So, good for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk. It's a little bit more sad news. Um, if you want to go listen to our full podcast on Pat Dye, feel free to. Um, I feel like there's so many different vantage points on it. Jared, you were on it. A lot of other E2C contributors were on it. Um, just fans that knew him um, were on it. And I felt like it gave a good um, picture of who he was. Um, but I just wanted to throw out a couple of numbers here. And at, everybody goes back to his quotes. I think his quotes are fantastic. Um, but I sometimes look at the stats just being an analytical-minded guy. Um, so I wanted to throw some key stats out here that I think really show how great he really was. He had four SEC championships while he was at Auburn as a head coach. That is the most by any head coach at Auburn. Um, the next closest only has one SEC championship, three more than any other Auburn coach. Crazy. Um, another number to throw out there. Uh, he had 60 Auburn players that spent their final season at Auburn and under Pat Dye were selected into the NFL draft. That's crazy. Again, another number of he, he was able to put great teams on, on the field in college, but got the attention of, of teams in the NFL to get his players drafted. Um, and two of those were actually number one picks, Bo Jackson. And uh, what was the other one? Um, 
I don't know. I'm probably going to. Wasn't Rocker, uh, was it? He didn't go for it, number one, did he? I don't remember. I know somebody's going to know that. Um, I just It was just slipping my mind. Somebody's and hollering it, in their car right now saying, <laughs> it's so-and-so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, one other uh, really crazy stat, just to show you how consistently good Pat Dye was. He had 79 consecutive AP poll where he was ranked. 79 weeks. Uh, and, and that covers multiple seasons. Crazy. Like, to, to be in that top 25 ranks in some capacity, that is the longest of any, just any team ever for Auburn or coach, for that matter. So, just putting in perspective, he he really kind of, like, kicked things off. Um, I've heard, I think Kyle put it this way, he was the guy that made us really believe we can beat Bama, we can beat anybody, we don't need to be scared of anybody. And, and he really showed that. He wasn't ever scared of a team. He he told his guys, motivated them, and, and got them out in the field to, to win the game. Um, yeah. Jared, do you want to add anything else to that? Yeah, I mean, real quick, I mean, I hate that, you know, somebody passes away for everybody to come out of the woodwork, but, it, you know, even non-Auburn people is what kind of, you know, gave me the – the good feelings inside is, I mean, there were a lot of non-Auburn people that were just talking about how great Pat Dow was. And one of the coolest uh, phrases or quotes, and I don't remember who did it, but basically he did. He 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 taught Auburn how to stand up to uh, Georgia and Alabama and not flinch. And, um, you know, I think it just shows how mental you can be very talented. But he basically he, he, he basically made us believe that, and mostly Alabama, made us believe that, you know, we belong to be on that field. Um, and he changed the culture. He did. He did. Um, and, and one thing, this is like a personal note. Um, one thing, so this was back in 2013. I actually got to meet Pat Dye. Um, I was out at the college game day right before the big Iron Bowl, now known as the Kick Six. Um, yeah, pretty, and, big, pretty big game. Yeah, so I was out at just doing the regular college day, game day thing. Um, where you stand in the crowd and kind of hold up your sign and that kind of stuff. And I saw Pat Dye walk past and I was like, no way. I'm definitely getting a picture with him. Me and my roommate got a picture with him and, and I'm sure he had had a hundred other people ask him before I did, but yet he was still so nice and gave me a good war eagle. So that was my little interaction with him. Um, and, and I love that. Yeah, I, I'll my the only I don't have a face to face, but I will add I, I was lucky enough to my dad probably spent my college savings to get us into that 1989 game, and you know to me at that point it didn't mean a ton, but I do remember because I didn't realize it was the first time played there. I do now, and I do remember um, when we left. I was the environment was I've never seen anything like it, and nobody sat down the entire game, and you know as we're older we realize in the student section that happens but i'm talking the entire stadium wow. the entire game it was a crazy uh atmosphere i wish i'd have been older to fully embrace it in the moment um but looking back on it i you know that's that's pretty cool that i i got to be a part of the first iron bowl at jordan hare yeah that's crazy that's and that was because cool of pat die yeah pat die made that happen yeah i mean i don't know if you'd had other coaches even the great ones that Auburn thinks of and yet having people stand up for a full game. I mean, you can get the students to do it. They're excited. They got you right energy, but to get um, your average Auburn fan up standing. I mean, that's crazy. That that's amazing. It for, was, 
Yeah, it was great. I mean, this was the entire stadium. We were, you know, we were in the normal section, and it was, it was crazy, man. It made me. Uh, I was. I've always been an Auburn fan, but I mean, I was only you know eight years old at that time, and uh, that just took it to another level. Yeah, and just hearing that kind of reminds me of the revitalization of Auburn basketball when Bruce Pearl came in. I'm yep. just relating that back to my experience at Auburn when I went from the Tony Barbie area era to. Uh, Who? this great yeah i don't know we don't some, talk about some, Tony Barbie. some guy <laughs> some guy that can't seem to beat auburn as an assistant coach so yeah yeah, yeah that's true that's true <laughs> um but just how great of an environment he got everybody excited everybody like season tickets went through the roof everybody was jumping up and down and you know comes to a few years later under his tenure come to a final four I mean that, but anyways, that's basketball. But I'm relating that to how much success Pat Dye had uh, at Auburn. What what I know is basketball. What Bruce Pearl has done for Auburn at Auburn basketball is just there should be a movie made about it, and there won't be there won't be because Bruce Pearl at one time invited people over to a barbecue, and so he's <laughs> he's a terrible human being now. But what he's done at Auburn, sarcasm, is, I'm sure. Is, yeah, there's sarcasm there. Please, if you're listening, that's very, very sarcastic. Um, uh, the national media has shunned him forever, no matter how good of a person he may be now. So, anyways, but yeah, there there should be a movie made about him. It's totally incredible. Watch, watch there be at the end of his career. You know, like ESPN does a thirty for thirty. I bet they'd do something like that, where they do a thirty for thirty, um, where they oh, he had this cookout, and then he lost his job at Tennessee, and then he couldn't find anything, and then he came to Auburn and revitalized. I mean, that would be a really cool story, especially if he ends up winning a national championship at Auburn. I mean, they're definitely making it then. I mean, making a Final Four run, incredible, but if you win a national championship, I feel like he's got he's to get something like that. One day somebody's got to explain to me why Auburn gets, and maybe it's because I'm looking for it, but, you know, Cam Newton, that was the biggest scandal in football history, even though players have been getting paid for 40 years and now are now <laughs> and Bru and Auburn's terrible because they hired Bruce Pearl and we've obviously seen that the that the college basketball arena is a pretty crooked arena but feel like Auburn is the one that always gets the finger pointed at them so somebody's going to have to explain that to me one day I'm sure it's my bias and what I'm seeing in the media but um I mean people still say scam Newton um and I'm like your guys are driving around in Dodge Chargers, brand oh my new. Gosh. Anyways, yes. On to the next. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're taking me down a rabbit hole here. AJ. I know. Well, and the great thing I think about Auburn is they the cultures intersect with each other so well with Auburn basketball, baseball, and if you're a fan of one, you're likely a fan of the other. So, like our Correct. fandom, even though we do a football podcast, that's our biggest passion. We still are so passionate about basketball and you can tell that just by listening to the past couple minutes of us um so i feel like it's a it's very warranted we're going to take a quick break from this episode for a special announcement one of the things that we take great pride here at the e2c network are our listeners are really our e2c network family now i know they enjoy listening to us but let's be honest every once in a while they probably would like a little bit of change of pace well that's where you come in if you're a business owner if you have any interest in partnering with us in terms of ads or sponsorships on our podcast episodes, you can reach us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com. Let us help you reach the widest variety of Auburn fans out there. I mean, come on. 
who else listens to a network where they cover everything from Auburn football to The Bachelor and the connections it has with Auburn. Utilize our podcasts, Facebook live shows, and other flexible partnership opportunities that are available upon request. Let us help you reach the E2C Network family and the Auburn family at large on how you might best be able to serve them. Reach out to us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com for more information. That's all we have for you in this special message. Let's get back into the episode. Let's talk about Auburn, just the players coming back to campus for voluntary off-season workouts. Uh, they came back, I believe it was June 8th, so at this point about a week ago um, or a little over a week ago, depending on when you're listening. Um, so every player came back. We kind of did like a pretty quarantine-type thing. So you come on, you pretty much just have your roommate that you interact with, and then you go through coronavirus testing. Uh, if you test positive, then they isolate you into a different dorm and pretty much, uh, I guess, I don't know, keep an eye on you, um, to make sure that <laughs> you, you don't have any crazy symptoms from what I've heard all, or at least reportedly, uh, all of the players have been asymptomatic, which is great. Um, but at the same time, you obviously still have it. So keep them in quarantine, um, until they pass, test negative for it. Um, something else that I thought was kind of interesting, I'm sure they're having to do some very interesting things as far as voluntary workouts, because they don't want to have the whole hundred person team in the workout room, shoulder to shoulder all the time. So, uh, I'm sure they're having to like break things up and do things a little bit differently, maybe by positions or groups or something like that. Um, so I, I'm sure they're doing things like that, um, but I don't know. I just thought that was kind of neat. Uh, yeah, it's and this whole testing is going to be interesting too because I I read somewhere and listen I I don't know either way. I, I did read a headline though where apparently the CDC even mentioned that up to uh, you know fifty percent of the tests could be inaccurate. So it's going to be I don't know if they're testing them and you may know AJ are they testing them once or if it's positive do they test them again you know a few days later to see if it truly was positive or. Um, because I feel like all these people being asymptomatic, and, and maybe that's the case, but I wonder, maybe they didn't have it. Um, so be. that's going to create a huge challenge, especially when games are coming up. Um, I mean, they're gonna probably going to be testing their starting quarterback 10 times if it comes positive to make sure it is positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, I haven't heard if they're doing multiple tests on it. I'm sure um, – I, I mean, I know Alabama did something similar where they did an initial round of tests. They had – five players get tested positive and then they did another round of tests and then three more on top of that. So I'm kind of thinking Auburn might do something similar to that where they test every week or every other week or something like that, just to, you know, keep a, a, I don't know, like a feel on what's going on. So they can hopefully limit the number of uh, people that get exposed to it. Um, Yeah. I don't know. The, the coaches seem to have a pretty good grasp on how to do this. I mean, at least from when when I've heard Gus talk about it, he seems to be – he knows what he's doing. And it's obviously just good to have the guys on campus so um, you can uh, kind of help them out, guide them, give them good nutrition, um, get them in the great workout facilities Auburn has. That's all great. Um, something else that I thought was kind of neat. So along with the, those great things um, – Auburn ended up uh, having, and, and I saw they posted a video of it, but they had a Madden game, uh, just a bunch of, I guess, it sounded like a tournament style 
um, where they played in the Jumbotron, <laughs> on the Jumbotron and, and Jordan-Hare. So think about how crazy that would be. You're playing on a essentially like a 40, 50-yard wide TV yes. screen, and you get to play your favorite game ever. Very yeah. similar to the one I have in my basement. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Um, but I, that just kind of reminded me, uh, this is a little flashback. So um, I think it was probably the last year, whenever the this um, Jumbotron was added. I think it was 2004 2000, or 2014 or 2015, sometime around there. But they, uh, they had like a movie night in Jordan-Hare. So all the students, I think even the community of Auburn could come and just watch a movie in Jordan hair. And I thought it was the coolest thing. So you just kind of brought your own lawn chair blanket and you just kind of watched a movie in Jordan hair on that huge TV screen. That's pretty um, cool. So, but I'm just, that was the closest thing to playing a video game. And yet that was still really cool. Um, just to watch a movie. That That is pretty, that is pretty neat. Um, I wanted to ask you a question real quick about coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Are, Cause a lot of these coaches, I mean, they're, they're kind of older. I mean, you got some in the sixties and probably some in the seventies. Do you think that they're be like, like, do you think they're fearful? I mean, surely some of those guys are kind of, I mean, they're about to be around a bunch of young guys. Um, and you know, there's a, there's, I guess the point is like, I'm even thinking about Nick Saban. I mean, he, he's 68. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, you hope they're taking the precautions and this is just a lot of hurdles to overcome, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. I mean, I, you got to think so. I mean, I, I know a lot of the elderly are a little bit more cautious because they need to be. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I would think so. I would think that if you're over you know, 65 or something, you, you probably start to take extra precautions of staying further away from your your just people in general. But yeah, I don't I guess, know. Yeah, I guess from like a schematics, I don't, I don't know if that mi- – changes how how these coaches coach some of these older mm-hmm. ones and really anybody maybe they stand up on a platform and don't get anywhere near the players you know yeah um, but then it's at gonna the same be a time, lot of interesting like i feel like a lot of coaching is getting in not necessarily the guy's face but it like is. getting him in position or like showing him technique you show them the technique yeah or uh standing right beside the guy and kind of talking him through the coaching thinking or, or whatever that is um so I don't know. Yeah, you got to think that that's got to change a little bit. Um, if if there's potentially older coaches that are more inclined to getting uh, coronavirus. Yeah, essentially everything. Just to wrap it up, everything has changed. I mean, the the entire process is. I mean, we're still wearing helmets and pads, but other than that, yeah, um, this whole thing's going to look different. Yeah, for sure. Um, one other thing, so I saw this this uh, headline that Cole Kubelik went on, uh, I think it was some show on ESPN or SEC Network, and talked to, I think it, oh, it was Paul Feinbaum, that was, that was the show, and um, he was talking about just the fans in the stands. We've talked about it briefly, but it kind of backs up roughly what you and I were thinking. So uh, what he's starting to think is a lot of times fans are going to come into the stands but it's going to be at some capacity that's less than 100%. Yeah. That's probably to be expected. Um, he's thinking somewhere between 50 to 85%. Um, I, I'm leaning towards probably at the beginning, probably closer to that 50% mark. That's what um, I'm thinking. And then you just kind of see how things go and maybe get, maybe at the end of the season, up to that 100% or close to it. Um, 
So what, what's your thoughts on that now that you've heard another sports analyst like Q, Cole Kubelik uh, talk about it? Um, any other things that have may, maybe changed about the way you think about how stadiums and uh, teams are going to approach that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here. And I really, you know, as we sit here right now, I think the cases are kind of going back up and we were all kind of hoping that they would not. So, you know, with that with that being in mind, I mean, it's obvious this thing's not going away anytime soon. So I don't see how they are going to fill a stadium up. And even if they have to do something from a legality standpoint, probably, they have to say, hey, look, we we if somebody were to get, sick or something they could say hey we tried to separate everybody out um we did our best we did this and that and so they have to be very cautious i don't think they fill the stadium up uh, i actually thought they probably would if you had asked me a month ago um, i think 50 percent. i think you're right i think that's a good number that way they can separate everybody that's not family it's going to be very complicated very difficult to do yep. and i really think that all the the school can do is to have guidelines and plans if somebody walks six feet over and gives another guy a hug, I don't think you kick them out, <laughs> but that's not on you. You had a plan for safety, and at that point, you know, the, uh, you can't probably kick people out for that. But that will be a, another interesting discussion. How do yeah. they handle that? Um, how do they handle concessions? Do they even do concessions? Um, you know, these schools are going to lose a lot of money because this is their big, um, this is their moneymaker. Yeah. And, um, I, look, I, look, life is more important. There's no doubt. Um, but they are trying to find that balance and it's going to be hard to find it. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up. Like it is the moneymaker of just getting fans in the stands. And I saw a number, um, Auburn was only one of 12 teams in college football, uh, to have over a million spectators come to the games over their season. Um, so you're, you're looking at potentially slashing that in half and Mm -hmm. saying half a million people, are coming to uh, home games, away games for your your team, and that that's going to hurt revenue. Um, so, I mean, if you're looking at it from a revenue standpoint, the quicker we can get it up, the better. But at the same time, you got to do it so safely, and everybody's feel safe, and the the universities particularly isn't going to be legally bound to uh, something if you know a mass breakout happens after a huge Iron Bowl game or something like that. <laughs> Well, and I think, too, there's a couple of things you got to look at, too. Listen, we all would love to just go and, you know, throw everybody in there. But um, if if somebody's real avid and they want this to go on, and we all want it to go on, but if they're like, we need to play no matter what, well, all right, if you go half and that works, having a season with only 50,000 fans in there is a lot better than going full-blown here and three weeks in, we have to cancel the whole season So because yep. things are just too bad. So I think we all need to – understand this is going to be different um we're not all going to agree with how different it is absolutely Uh, and nobody knows so you know we're going to look back and say told you you shouldn't have done it this way or that way the reality is nobody has a clue and the only thing they're going to try to do is to be as safe as possible with the data we have so that they can still have sports because you did mention the money again and i brought it up but you mentioned an actual number i do believe last year or two years ago uh, $29 million came from ticket and concession sales and like $19 million came from TV deals for Auburn. So um, that $29 million is already going to take a huge hit and they're just going to try to, to stop the bleeding on that, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. And, and I 
my wife, I was just kind of thinking like, you're not going to please everyone. My wife works at a school and they had a survey go out to the parents and asked, Hey, how comfortable would you be if we started back school? Um, and it was so polar opposite. A lot of times it was like yeah, 25% of people said, I don't want to. And then 25% said, I'm ready to go. If you said school opens up tomorrow, let's get my kids out of my house. <laughs> um, and I just thought that was kind of interesting. And, and it's probably going to be very similar to it this. Is. You're going to well, have it, a, a chunk of people that say, I hate this. And then you're going to have people that, yes, I love it. I can't wait to get back in Jordan hair to watch a football game. The reality is um, everybody's going to be second guest during this. And there's just, th- we are creating the path. There is no path for this. Mm-hmm. And so when you do that, you're going to, sometimes cut down the wrong tree um i mean you know there's going to be mistakes made i think the idea is to make sure that we limit that uh make public safety and the player safety um top priority and how do we do both how do we play football and make sure everybody is as safe as possible and it's going to get ugly and there's going to be mistakes made um and people are not going to agree but that's really all we have to deal with we we can't you know, we can't, uh, we got to go with kind of what we've been dealt. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, we're, we're going into a new frontier that we have no idea how to, the, the exact path of what to do. And so it's not only each university, but each conference and the NCAA as a whole that doesn't really know. And I think that's where they're trying to feel things out. And you brought up a point on that. What uh, you mentioned, just what you just said, is each conference. Wasn't there something about didn't didn't you or I read something where Emirate basically said, um, yeah, he doesn't have any authoritative decision making for each conference or something. Do you remember what that was? AJ? Yeah, yeah. So it had to do with the NCAA. Um, they pretty much can't uh, put a restriction on a university or even a college or a conference as pretty much what to do you can suggest things and that kind of reminded me of like president trump he can't necessarily tell each state what to do and each city can't necessarily do exactly what they want to do there's like but they can give suggestions like each state could suggest to each city this is what you should do um so i think it's kind of like a little trickle down effect but like there's no direct like ncaa says hey you you can open up um, okay, great. How, when, how does that look? They can give suggestions, but each conference is going to do it their own way. Um, and there's no real directive of you got to do it this way or that way. So do you think that hinders the, and I know we got to move on, but do you think the conference controlling it, do you think that hinders the games like Auburn, North Carolina, Alabama, USC, two different conferences going head to head? who may have different ideas and rules. I mean, you could think, I mean, you would think so. I mean, I, at least I think so. Auburn's getting our players on, uh, on campus again to practice and kind of build the chemistry of the team. Uh, I don't know, maybe a few weeks or a month ahead of the others. Uh, when you don't have a spring training or a spring practice, like all of these colleges, they just didn't have them because of the coronavirus. That, any, any days, any weeks is just going to help you. So you got to think so. You got to think so. Um, all right, let's let's finish up this conversation and kind of wrap it up with talking about Grant Loy. Um, if you want to go hear a great podcast on it, um, you can go ahead and listen to um, our Boom Tracker, and that was Justin Hostler and Dallas Ham talking about it. I'm actually going to quote them on here, but I wanted to give 
Jared, you and I, now that they're on the team, I feel like let's talk about them. Let's see how they fit into the quarterbacks in the system, um, who we have. Um, so Grant Loy, if you don't know too much about him, he's 6'5", pretty tall guy, mm-hmm. 223. Um, I heard Justin, I think it was Justin call him sunshine because he's got some, <laughs> some long locks of hair. Um, so we got ourselves another sunshine, which is great. Um, so, uh, he's got one more year of eligibility previously played at Bowling Green. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Obviously I, I think with only having one year of eligibility, I think he's got to think and, and the coaches have to at least had to make him think you're going to play some, we're going to find something for you. And I I think that's probably true or else you don't just straight come from Bowling Green and say, bye Bowling Green. I've never seen you again. And uh, come over and just ride the bench at Auburn. I don't know. Um, Especially when he played all 12 games last season and made seven starts. I mean, you got to think he's get, he'd at least have some play time next year. So I don't know what, what, how do you, what do you think of, Grant Loy and how he's going to fit into this team. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've gotten him, and then we got you know Cam's brother, and I I think it's you know pretty clear unless barring injury or somebody just shines big time in spring practice. But you know, Bo's the quarterback, and this guy's got one year of eligibility. So then you do start thinking, okay, what what was what was sold to him? What was told he's going to be doing with his size? Maybe he's a wildcat. Um, maybe he's mm. going to get some chance. Maybe we said, "Hey, you're going to have some chances to score some touchdowns and and throw some, you know, surprise passes because we're going to bring in a wildcat." Um, maybe receiver. I know we didn't talk about this off air, but I mean, when I'm mm. looking at that size, um, maybe he becomes, you know, a Sal Canella esque, but just hopefully with more, you know, catches. better hands, <laughs> better hands. Yeah, I mean, you know, so who knows? I mean, you know, I keep thinking there was a guy at Arkansas, Matt Jones or something, maybe about. 10 to 12 years ago and he was a quarterback and then he got drafted in the NFL as a receiver for Jacksonville. So, Hmm. you know, if he's an athlete with that height, maybe that's what we were told he's going to do, but um, Hmm. it it won't be quarterback, not on a full-time basis, but I, with that frame, maybe third and one, you know, bring him in. Yeah. And my initial thinking was, okay, last year when Joey Gatewood left the team, we were like, we got Court Sandberg and (laughs) Court Sandberg, as we know, and Justin Hostler said this. I'm going to quote him. This is fantastic. Listen to every word I say. This is from Justin Hostler's <laughs> wonderful mouth about Cord Sandberg. I said he could start for at least 30 NFL teams right now. He could have gone, gotten a 10-year solid career, at least nine of those being Pro Bowls. So that's the kind of level, you know, Cord Sandberg's at. <laughs> because everybody knows that. Because he's fantastic. <laughs> I think Cord's a lefty, and I'm a lefty as when it comes to throwing football. So I I I got a special place in my heart for Cord. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, nine Pro Bowls is, is making the nine Pro Bowls was was news to me that he would be able to do that. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, I mean, but I think there was definitely a need for that second, yeah, quarterback, that backup that we. I mean, when when Joey left the team, we're like crap we legitimately have uh Cord Sandberg who's just now transitioning back to playing football mentality wise and we haven't asked him to, whole, to do a whole lot and if Bo goes down we're gonna ask him to do a whole lot um so I think adding a somebody like Grant Loy who does have starting experience is it I mean that's just gotta help I mean this SEC 
there's going to be uh, some some capacity where he's going to be used. I hope not as much as we're uh, as maybe needed, but I mean, if he's there, let's use him. Yeah, we got we got bitten by the I want to play now thing last year because I mean we went into you know spring practice last year and it was Malik, Joey, and Bo. And when it was announced it was Bo, Malik leaves, and then you know midway through the year Joey leaves. So you know we were we went from being in a pretty good spot to you're right if Bo gets hurt, um, you know nothing against Cord and Cord may come in and be fantastic. You never know. But yeah, we we definitely wanted to make sure we had options there. Yeah, yeah. And now we've got at this point. I mean, I think we kind of tracked is Bo Nix, Cord Sandberg, Trey Lindsey. He's a sophomore walk on. Uh, Chalen Garrett or Garnett, uh, he's a true freshman. Uh, Sawyer Pate, a preferred walk-on, uh, and then Kalen Newton, who I mean, it's kind of talked about, and I think it's uh, probably a safe thing to say based on what uh, the quarterback room is. Kalen may not necessarily become a quarterback at Auburn, but more of a I don't know something else, an athlete, wide receiver, DB, something along those lines, where we just use his athleticism to to benefit the team. Well, it's not uncommon for guys to be quarterbacks in high school and come in and never play quarterback in college. So maybe it's it's probably going to become more of a trend of coming out of JUCO as a quarterback and finding a, a role somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll find something for him to do. Yeah. Um, so I think that pretty much does it for us. Uh, Jared, anything else uh, you wanted to add? No, it'll just be interesting to see where this, you know, the next month or two goes now that we're getting the players back on campus. Let's see how safe they are and, you know, how productive we can be. And um, I'm sure we'll be getting updates on that daily. So it's going to be an interesting because, I mean, you know, AJ, we're, we're June. I mean, you know, there's football games being played at the end of August. Yep. So if, if two and a half months essentially yeah. from now. Yeah. So. It's going to be an interesting two and a half months, my friend. I hope it all is positive for everybody, and I hope everybody's safe, and I hope we get to watch some football. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Jerry, before we get out of here, do you want to let people know how they can get in contact with you? Yes, sir. You can just find me on Facebook uh, and Instagram. Both of those, just under my name, Jared, J-A-R-E-D, Davis, D-A-V-I-S. Wow, Davis is such a hard last name. You had to spell it out, didn't you? <laughs> well, sometimes my no, real southern accent kicks in because I'm, you know, from central Georgia. And Davis? So figured out is there a Y it. in there or something? Yeah, is there a Y? How do I spell that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, and you can find me on Twitter at A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?